peek behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we intend to find it. Welcome back to another Softly Performance Podcast. What's going on, guys? Bringing you series... uh this is a recon challenge series, episode three. I, I I keep getting these series and episodes and chapters and everything all mixed up due to the fact so that we much have content the, going on. Yeah, <laughs> we do have a lot of content going on and a lot of creativity stuff. And it actually was something I was just talking with Matt out, Matt about before the show started. Was you know we're gonna we want to put together a book of you know the softly methodology and training principles and all of those things together. And it's kind of one of those those projects where it's like, all right, bro, it looks like we're both going to go into a hole and go ahead and just not come out of it for the, for a good six yeah. to seven months of doing it. Some cabin in the woods. <laughs> exactly. And it, it like, and then we opened it to like, well, if we can do that, then we started talking about, well, we're like, we have it already kind of everywhere. And we were just, we're the Kings of Google docs and <laughs> Google sheets, Google forms, Google slides. I think it's all because of the remote work that we do together, but it's been really cool to utilize but then it led us down to the rabbit hole of like, hey, well, we need to look at the the NSCA's tactical uh, strength conditioning conference that's going on in August. And it's something that, to be completely honest, we got asked if we wanted to be speakers at actually. We got asked that this year and we we turned it down. And and I think it was more just because we weren't sure if we were ready or if we were, what we could bring to it. And we wanted to see what was going on out there. And as well, it just didn't fit in the timeline for us at that moment when that all was going on, as well as like trying to help out with the TSAT courses and all that stuff too. Again, it just didn't work out with us. We're trying to help get Softlead into the hands of tactical strength and conditioning coaches as well as, okay, cool, you've gotten the basics and you've gotten these understandings of what it is to train the tactical uh professional or athlete but let's go ahead and start throwing on some more to where like this is where you know the magic also happens is this area of the after and how do we prevent injuries how do we mitigate injuries how do we then help athletes get back from injuries and all those things fall into the same place as the tactical strength conditioning world the parallels are very the same the jobs are just different and the you know the risks are different but it didn't it doesn't take away from you know matt i guess what we're trying to do as a whole yeah and and like one of the big things that we've been we've been kind of pushing with the, the human performance side of things here is is the the whole sort of being informed by first-hand experience so rather than it just being sort of textbook based or well it's kind of works in football and soccer and rugby so it should work in in the tactical world literally the the company is founded on people who have done the job um, and that's my kind of clumsy segue into, <laughs> into today's episode. So, so last episode with the, the recon challenge stuff, we uh, we were we were chatting with George about his his kind of final prep. So from from week four uh, into the the week before he left for for Pendleton to do the recon challenge. Um, so if if you guys haven't checked out that episode in episode one, which was when the bombshell first dropped, when yeah. when George got the phone call to say he was he was kind of asked to go but really was told to go voluntold to go to the to the uh to the recon challenge um yeah that's episode one episode two is kind of more more digging into really the nuts and bolts of the training and and offer, offers a really fascinating insight into kind of like george was just saying the where the theory kind of meets practical the like like yeah. how yeah how it how it can be implemented and, and done for real um so today's episode is is one i'm i'm really excited about we've not kind of got into this properly this is talking about the event the recon challenge itself um 
So just kind of 30 seconds for, for those guys who, again, maybe are playing catch-up from episode one and two. George, can you just give us a quick rundown on what the Recon Challenge is, like where the idea came from and what it's all about? Yeah, I, I know we talked about it the last show. So if you guys haven't listened to episode two and you guys skip straight to here, I, I would really advise to go back and listen to episode two because oh, we definitely. do talk a little bit about of about why we why the Recon Challenge came about to honor the Fallen Brothers and the Gold Star families that are also there. Um, and it goes a little bit deeper than that, but... At the end of the day, for those who've never heard of the Recon Challenge, it's just another it's just another military endurance event testing not just your endurance, but your cognitive skill abilities and how well can you perform your your occupational skills that you have to do from a fine foundational level. And it was really cool because it does, you know, it it the skills that we have to do is a lot of the things we do for our job. So, you know, the recon challenge opens up with a 1K ocean fin with a 50-pound pack. You have a UT vest on, and, and you're set up to do those things in fins. You fin out with your partner 500 meters, turn around at a buoy, and come back in. You have to break surf. If anybody's ever learned how to break surf with a 50-pound pack on the back and your fins, it's it's not the easiest skills. And if you haven't done them done it for a long time, it can be quite nerve-wracking. And I'm not going to lie to you, I hadn't broke surf in six years. So that force, first part of the event was a very nerve-wracking thing for me just because I hadn't done oh. it in six years. But again, it, like, you know, once it happens and you get back into the water and everything starts happening, it's pretty much like riding a bike. Yeah, I, I'm pumped to get into this. I'm, I'm so looking forward um, to it. So like, can you, can you set I'm us gonna, up from, oh, sorry, you go. Yeah, yeah, no. So what I was trying to say is like, so the course pretty much is you do a 1K ocean fin and then it's anywhere between a 24 to a 28, 30 mile ruck run with a minimum of 55 pounds on your back. And you go through different objectives. And the cool thing about that is that, you know, you're having to put your ruck back on, take it off. You're going to, you're having to like move in different, um, you know, planes of motion due to the fact of like you're either doing the O course or you're swimming, you're doing some kind of underwater breath work, some kind of cognitive skills that way, or you're shooting or you're doing some kind of physical exertion of fireman's carry. So it's really cool to be able to have those all blended in throughout the event and not just mm. a specific um, endurance event with a ruck on your back because it does change yeah. the game quite a bit. And, and obviously kind of like you dug in in that last episode, a huge sort of uh, kind of emotional and spiritual like like kind of vibe hanging over the event with with what it represents, um, which is, is something you don't get in your average kind of ultra event or or like military fitness type challenge yeah it's 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 really funny you say that because it's it's i'm a as as i I like to say i'm a pretty spiritual dude Mm. as of late as the past you know you know i've really been able to tap into that for myself and it's been something that i really harnessed onto and when i look back at it i guess i just wasn't sensitive enough sensitive enough to that feeling and now I'm, i'm i'm able to be more sensitive to it so it allows for me to kind of manage it a little bit a little bit better which was kind of you know a skinny ready to get into in, in, in the past, you know, going into events that are pretty important to me and really, you know, considered high performing, I've, I've always gone in and kind of <laughs> how you want to say it is like, I kind of blew my load a little too early before the event even started. And I guess that's where the experience came in of like, not doing that and managing that energy and, and being really like mellow and just with myself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we can we can definitely chat about some of the, the kind of the psychology and the that side of things, um, but just to, to to kick us off, so to kind of where we left off at the end of episode two was, I think your last weekend you'd done your last session, last training session before traveling to uh, to San Diego. Can you like 
can you pick up the story from from kind of flying in arriving <laughs> at pendleton for the first time in a little while well the wife definitely would tell you that the transition wasn't the smoothest because traveling with a toddler is not always the easiest especially in a plane <laughs> and having to tut around a bunch of gear but yeah one thing i've realized and i've learned over time is the transitions matter that if you can be efficient in the transition, you actually get to save a little bit of energy instead of, instead of expending it. And also, and again, it goes back to the psychological aspect, right? Cause like when you're, when you're traveling, it's, is it physical? Not really, you're sitting down the whole time and you're doing whatever else, but traveling with a family this time and, and going into that route, it was a new experience for me in that moment. So it really, I didn't know how to handle it. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to lie. It was one of those things where, you know, it was a rough travel day for us. And when we finally got settled and everything else like that, it actually was kind of great for us to kind of go through that to allow for me to kind of shake out the cobwebs and kind of get through my own resistance, I guess you can say it was because I was nervous flying in. Mm. But once I kind of saw the guys or I like went over to my buddy Gabriel's house and I, you know, started hanging out with him because I sent the, the, the wife and the kid up to go see grandma and, you know, they traveled down. But it was one of those weekends where it was like, all right, hey, like the, the, kind of the goal almost yeah and it's like hey the goal is this the idea is this and i knew that hey if you want to go ahead and build team cohesion with individuals and you do those things you got to spend as much time as possible you know with them and that's what i automatically did the mindset was like all right i'm going down there from tuesday to friday i'm just fully emerged in i am i am sergeant briones again even though i'm a civilian i'm hanging out with the boys but i also have all these new these new skill sets that i've gained over the past years of being out that help me stay in a healthy mindset to still kind of perform it the way I believe I can. And and that was the big part about, you know, the transition and making sure that I can, I, you know, the family's going to be okay. I'm going to be all right. Like the separation. Cause it's been a while since I've competed and done this kind of way. And when I was in, I didn't have what I have now. So it was a yeah. little bit different. So it opened the door to kind of like, all right, cool. I'm going to go ahead and put everything that I've used in the past. That's helped me become better to practice while in this environment to foster mm you know, my own success and making sure that I'm ready to operate and not be a liability ultimately. Yeah. So man, I a hundred percent, dude, I immersed myself completely back into it. You know, like I cut my hair, I shaved my face. I went full Marine Corps. The only reason, the only way you knew I wasn't anymore is because my hand tattoos. That was the <laughs> only difference. So that was the really cool part about it. But you know, other than that though, you know, I, I believed like I had to immerse myself and I had to go ahead and and, and one thing you learn as a reconnaissance Marine is you learn to blend in with your environment. So if you're meant, if you look like you're supposed to be there, then you're supposed to be there. Yeah. Yeah. How, how did it feel pulling the, like the camis back up? Um, you know, I didn't have to wear the camis the whole time, like, you know, during okay. our preps and stuff like that. But like I had to wear camis for the pool. I had to wear camis for the event. And it was kind of one of those things where it was just like throwing on, throwing them back on again. Like I had just, you know, like it was like, Hello, okay, whenever a hundred percent, but it was also too, like when you put these camis on, it's also means business. You, you know, yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm going to have, if, if we have any higher ups or first sergeants or mass sergeants or, you know, in the Marine Corps that listen to this, you know, I, I call my, I call my blouse, my Jersey because it has the team I play for and it has my name on it. It's my Jersey. And you yeah. know what, like our Jersey in compared to the sports realm, you know, that Jersey has gone through some hell and back. If you think about it, right? Like you've had brothers die in that uniform. You've had dudes fight, you know, in that uniform. So when you yeah, go ahead and put history. on a lot of, again, it's a lot of history. So when you put that jersey back on over you, you're like, okay, cool. You hold yeah. yourself with the utmost respect and the standards and and you you treat that uniform with respect. And that's mm -hmm. kind of the the mindset that always just goes back into my head for it. Yeah. That's the, that yeah. was honestly what it felt like. It was like, okay, cool. No, I know what this means. 
Mm. And and so so you you yeah you arrived you had like your, your kind of your travel day and you said you were settling in with some seeing some old buddies and things like that. Um, at, at what point did you see your you meet up with your partner? Because you my partner did get into it later on that evening separately, didn't you? Correct. Okay. Yeah, my my partner ended up traveling in the e- that evening in and kind of you know we went to go have dinner together as a team, me and him, and then you know my buddy Gabe and his partner and we went over to my buddy to his Scott's where I just met Scott Gardner where he's a great individual. Um, mm. The dude's a stud. I mean, still <laughs> nice. brass balls. You know, he was the oldest, uh, the oldest reconnaissance marine to complete the challenge since the challenge has started at forty-seven years oh, old. That's awesome. Super fucking rad, right? And it's cool because I've, like I said in the past, I've coached Gabe for quite some years now, and he had a really big impact on Scott and like what we talked about and things he did. So it was really cool to kind of have all of that there together and feel really good about yeah. you know the guys around me and knowing the headspace they yeah, were in. Yeah. It was like, okay, cool. Like I've helped foster this. This is really fucking awesome. You know, you almost kind of soak it up by osmosis just by being <laughs> there, that, that kind of vibe, just like around something special. <clears throat> yeah, that's that's sweet. Um, so yeah, what what did those last few days look like before the competition? Um, were you were you staying off off base or were you? On yeah, ended up staying off that? base. Yeah, so it again like we the, everything started. You know, Tuesday, you know, was supposed to be some check in stuff, nothing crazy. Wednesday ended up becoming, you know, swim screener check in stuff, and then a bunch of briefing. Thursday was you had a couple of briefings in the afternoon and but the you know that morning of Thursday was like our first day of actually kind of really moving again because I literally had just swam Monday Tuesday and Wednesday and ultimately our training session was the swim screener and the reason because of the weight that it did carry it's like the underwater crossover in camis is like the gatekeeper to like the challenge but ultimately it's the gatekeeper to a lot of fucking things in our community and like every guy every reconnaissance marine will tell you yeah the 2500 meter water crossover with camis on is not an easy task it's a very it it might seem simple but it's very difficult Mm, yeah i was gonna say for those people who haven't who haven't attempted it wearing full kit or like wearing camis it's it's pretty different from doing it just in like in your speedos correct 100 percent. so that's always like either you know I felt like that was a little bit of stress on my system in the same way, you yeah, know, for everyone. Yeah, just so, in the back of your mind. Yeah, and then we had meetings in the afternoon, so it was kind of one of those things where it was just like, all right, cool, I'm just going to try and be out in the sun as much as I can to get accustomed to the environment because I knew oh, that yeah, the day of the event, yeah. yeah. So the day of the event, you know, it was 93 degrees. I talked about that in a couple of shows, you know, last show. Coming from 60 degree weather, it's kind of one of those things where that's a huge slap in the face or a punch in the face that you have to be ready to handle. So... I ended up focusing on just trying to get in the sun as much as possible when I was there. So I was just outside and out as much as I could. I actually went in with a sun sunburn going into that oh, Friday. No yeah, because I was out in the sun so much. Like I think I spent probably two, three hours in the sun on Thursday. I was outside okay. quite a bit, you know, the same thing yeah. that. And again, I wouldn't advise that for everyone to do that, especially if you're not used to it. But I just had to get my system used to the sun because I was going to be under it for so long and yes was i going to have camis on and was i going to be covered up by that and was but at the same time though that that's going to actually probably make me sweat a little bit more you know i'm carrying extra i'm carrying extra 50 55 pounds of weight on my back so i'm going to be sweating a little bit more at the same time it can cool me if there's a nice little breeze but the weather was 93 mm-hmm. degrees there's not much breeze unless you're <laughs> yeah, no hiding that. <laughs> no so you know going back and looking at it like I kind of like really took it mellow. Like I went to the pool, we did some different things, just worked on skill test stuff, like, you know, the the knots and, you know, how are we going to go ahead and move through it together and what's our pacing and what are our mindsets going to be behind it going into it and how do we feel? Like those are all those conversations we had. And then finally Thursday morning, we woke up, slept in, woke up, 
got some breakfast, got some coffee, headed over to the to the schoolhouse, you know, before the briefing. And we ended up doing, you know, I ended up doing the pre-breathing warm-up that you sent me. Yeah. So I appreciate that. Which again, like I said, Matt has been huge with me helping my training for this with my pre-breathing stuff. I don't think without that, I probably would have had a limited capacity performance because I wouldn't have been able to access what I had done because I hadn't done it before in a while. So I started doing that every pretty much by that breathing cool. technique, every yeah, session, yeah. like every long ruck run, every you know every pull session. I started doing that, and it, it paid off, and it's something I, I believe in now. So that was something yeah, yeah. that we well, went through. This is content we'll, we'll like we're working into cycles that we're writing like as we speak. So so this stuff you you guys will see. You you definitely see elements of in the in the kind of the coming sort of the coming softly cycles definitely correct correct and the cool thing about that was that you know I got to utilize it pre the the day before the event you know yeah I came from altitude but now I'm at sea level all I'm just doing now is increasing overall you know blood oxygen levels to go ahead and help kind of get my system up to recover from the past couple of days I guess you can say but then so we did that ten minute breathing work I did a I did a fifteen minute assault bike at like a easy effort but every two minutes i did a 15 second high cadence sprint nice yeah all nasal breathing the whole time yeah okay did that got off it shows how good like a good kind of state your systems in if you're able to to kind of buffer like spikes like that correct and that's kind of and my goal there was my goal was there was waking the central nervous system up yeah. Without adding yeah. extra load because that's what I just, cause I hadn't been doing much ready anyway. So I wanted to spike the central nervous system. So I did so. And then we went into, you know, some easy, just multi-directional movement work, some Cossack squats, T-spot rotations. You know, I ended up doing like a kettlebell, single arm kettlebell carry into a front rack kettlebell carry to a single arm elbow carry per side into some like hamstring curls, into some adductor bridges, into some like glute. And then I did some like feet work stuff, just like kind of moving around and just waking the system up and getting it ready to like, you know, rock and roll. And then we went out for an easy three mile jog. That was a jog hike because we pretty much just Mm -hmm. walked and talked through like way the course was going to be for us, how we wanted to approach it. And once you knew it, we're done. It was like, all right, cool. Let's get some food in our system and let's go ahead and start rehydrating, getting ourselves ready. And the goal was to be in bed by 830 that night, you know? Nice. So that's, that's my goal most nights, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah. But (laughs) how, how were the nerves at this point? Like, were you, were you kind of, were you feeling like feeling a little bit of like butterflies at all? I I had a few, I had a few different waves of nerves come in. You know, one of the first ones was, you know, obviously traveling with the wife and the kiddo and like just kind of getting that through, like that kind of got written. Once I made that trip, it got through. And then once, you know, it was the swim in the pool, like events, you know, cause like you have to pass that to get through it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I hadn't, I'm not gonna lie to you. I hadn't completed a 2,500 meter crossover with camis on. Yeah. I've been, what, I've been what doing, saying, I was doing when, progressions. Yeah. I remember you saying when you were prepping, what did you, with something to do with like the pockets or something to do with like, like your, your camis were way heavier than the ones you were going to wear. So you were like virtually drowning yourself. Correct. So like I, I wasn't able to get like my, like Marine Corps camis in, in, in the, for my training. I had to go to some surplus store out here and get a pair of old school desert camis that are like from the 1990s. So you know how thick those are if anybody's worn those and they had multiple pockets on it. So I had to make some adjustments to it, but I, I have set myself up to like, I know I can do, I can do multiple sets of underwater crossovers without camis on. That's not a thing. I've always stuck to that, but I hadn't done them with camis on in a while. So, you know, I had practice progressions to where it was like, every time I went to the pool, I was doing, you know, a 10, 10 meter underwater crossover rest for a minute, 
15 meter, rest for a minute, 20 meter. And then, and then I would repeat that for a few sets. And what I was telling myself was like, Hey, I'm not pushing for a 25 meter underwater crossover right now. All I'm doing is building the capacity. So when I need it for game day, I can do it. So realistically, I was hitting anywhere between 20 to 23 yards slash meters in distance, depending on what the pool was, um, leading up to that. And then finally on game day, I was like, all right, cool. Here's your one. Here's your one. Just go ahead and get it. And it's one of those things you get three chances to complete it, but you don't want to do it again. You're like, why no, would I? No, definitely. Like there's no need to it. So the nerves went through that after I got completed with that. Mm. And then, you know, the next that day we kind of chilled or whatever else. And the nerves kicked in again once I had to start packing my ruck. Yeah. And like when I mean packing my ruck, it was because it's one of those things where if you ever swam with a 50 pound pack in, in the ocean, if that thing starts to sink, you're fucked. And so, you're, so all what, your what's gear. What's it look like? It, well, so that's the funny part is there's a few ways you can do that. You can go the old school style with a sea line bag and trash bags and create air and create a knot in it. And then you throw some rigorous tape around and you put it inside your ruck and it floats. That's one way to do it. Or you can become a little bit more fancy and they give you a diver's bag, which, you know, if it's inside your ruck, depending on the size, because you can get them in small, medium and larges and or extra larges. And if you get an extra large one, you just put your whole ruck in that motherfucker, zip it up and then you can blow air in it. and It's waterproof and air sleal tight. So you just blow air into it and it makes it float. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. I hadn't touched, you know, a zip lock. I hadn't touched the sea line bags and, you know, the the garbage bags to do that in a while. And I was like, you know, I wanted to be as efficient as possible and to make sure that I was, so I asked around for a diver's bag and even still with those things, you're never sure with it. Right. So I still made sure like, you know, when I prepped my water, my gear for the water conditions, it was like, all right, cool. All of my camis and everything else go into, in my boots and my socks, you know, go into this one sea line bag. But before they go in there, all the socks that I'm going to be wearing is put into a Ziploc baggie. All of, you know, my camis are going to be fine in this thing, my boots, you know, and then I put that into a sea line bag and then I put everything else extra that I don't have to waterproof because it's okay if it got wet, cover it up. Then I put it back into another sea line bag. So now I have it double proof, waterproof twice, and then I'll create some air in that. And then I'll put that into this into the DUI bag and the DUI bags inside the ruck and I go that way and then it has a little tiny spigot that you can blow air into and you can make it float. So mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie to you, that was another set of nerves. It's like, oh, was you know, luckily I got to test it before hitting the ocean the morning of. I was just gonna ask that, yeah. Yeah, I tested everything. But it's still one of those things where, you know, I hadn't broke surf in a while. I hadn't packed my gear like for these kinds of conditions in you know quite a while so it was just kind yeah. of like making sure i knew everything and, and again as i started doing it everything just kind of started firing and coming back and it was like oh cool you never left this mm. awesome yeah but at the same time though it was like i was again doing like mental imagery work i was like going through every single course of action that you know could go wrong but also what could go right and how do i make it go right i walk through you know my process of what it looked like how when i break surf and what i want to do when i come in from breaking after i came in from my thousand meter swim how do i want to go in and transition from there to my it, all of those things played a factor in me being successful and to help me kind of get back to just jumping back on the horse and moving forward with it yeah yeah but yeah so like having to pack gear like that those are some stressors like you know i was stressed about because mm. i hadn't done it in a while you know making sure that i was going to hit my knots underwater on the breath holds that i needed to and making sure i remembered everything underwater for those knots and we set yeah. it up to play our strengths and weaknesses you know so that was the cool thing about it but at the end of the day it was kind of one of those things where you kind of just had to bring it <laughs> yeah 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 no, I, I can imagine so kind of your what what was your sort of your last evening 
and and kind of going into that final night was that um, like I, I imagine you probably had to rely on some of your your sort of down regulation and you know what's funny that. is like yeah I I I usually whenever I try and the night prior like my nutrition I usually try and get you know quite a bit of fats and quite a bit of carbohydrates with the moderate decent and protein and you know being out and just you know with my partner like my partner just loved is just a carb carb monster yeah yeah he's he's super efficient and i'm more of a fat monster i love fats but i enjoy carbohydrates as well and when when he was like let's get pizza i was like all right cool i know what i can get here sweet i got and then i ended up getting like some meatballs with marinara sauce you know and then i ended up getting this butter noodles with pasta and i had a couple slices of pizza and and it was that's what what, what i ate i didn't go all out and crush a large pizza like some people be like i need to go over carb load it's like I know I know that I don't need to eat this much food for this, but what I did stick to was my morning routine of nutrition, which I've talked in the past, where I go with the you know the Greek yogurt, heavy cream, milk, and honey with a little bit of protein in it, and that's usually my morning breakfast before a big effort. I'm okay with mm-hmm. that, so yeah. I stuck to that still. Okay, but the, the the nerves going into after dinner, you know, I packed my gear up, and it kind of started like becoming very real that oh, this is what's about to happen, and I ultimately was. It was like I was in a dream state sleeping the whole time. I just kept running through different courses of actions. It was really weird how my brain just kind of, but I slept, I rested. But I did Mm. wake up every 90 minutes though, I found. I was waking up every 90 minutes because I was anticipating my alarm. Yeah. So in past, I would never have to do that. I usually just put my my phone away and I'll have like the wife wake me up or someone come in and get in. And I put that stress on someone else so it's not on me so I can sleep. Here, I possibly probably could have hit the barracks duty and be like, Hey man, come wake me up at three o'clock in the morning. But I didn't think about it at that time and moment. So there was one thing that I, you know, I was like, Oh shit, I could do better at that. But it was whatever. I still did my normal, you know, down regulation, hot shower into the cold room. I made sure that, you know, I was as comfortable as possible and all those things at the end of the day, it's just, you're only going to sleep how you're going to sleep going into those events. Because again, it's really hard I was just going to say that there's always going to be, particularly with the nature of it, not just the physicality side of things, like like we talked about before, kind of what it represents and the fact that you you kind of, yeah, you're 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 on show almost in front of like colleagues and and experts, I guess. Correct. So like, yeah, you you're always going to be trying to trying to make the most of that that kind of uh, that situation, I guess. So that was the big um, part of behind it too. Was the idea was like, okay, cool, like. I guess my race starts when my bed when I put my head on the pillow to go to sleep. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a good way of looking at it because it, that was really what would it like. And usually I never have that problem, but for some reason this was just one of them. And again, I did my down regulation stuff. It was just me anticipating my alarm. And I've learned that yeah. from my endurance races in the past, where it's just like, oh yeah, I got to get at least six hours of sleep. That's where I'm like six to seven and a half hours of sleep is that number that I need going into this event for me to go ahead and operate. Anything less than that, I'm fucked. So, you know, I ended up getting, you know, I ended up sleeping for a good, I was in bed for seven and a half hours. I slept probably a total of like that six to seven hours, which is still good. Um, You said that kind of works for you, doesn't it? Yeah, it works really well for me. I'm not someone who sleeps eight hours. I can sleep seven, seven and a half and I'm golden. And I got that in. It was just like in those, in that sprint of like, oh, I woke up, go back to bed, woke up, went back to bed. So did I have disturbances? Yes, but luckily I was waking up at the back end of my REM cycles to where I was able to just wake up and go right back to sleep, wake up, go right back to sleep, which allowed for me to like, mm-hmm. again, not get woken up in the middle of a REM cycle where I hit that sleep inertia and where that really does some things. 
So yeah. at the end of the day, man, yeah, the nerves were pretty high. And it, I wouldn't say I was, ang I was, the anxiety was high. I was more anxious. So I realized that I do have, and I have state anxiety. So meaning that prior to an event, prior to a patrol, prior to anything big that's like that, I usually have some type of performance anxiety that kicks in and I have to work on it. And I'm getting better at it. But again, it's just a work in progress. But once the event yeah. starts, man, it's gone. Mm. Yeah. And it's, it's probably like, I think it's not sort of such pretty natural, isn't it? That's kind of like you, you almost, almost something's wrong if you're not having that kind of response. Like it, it's, it's human nature, I think. And like you said, it's, it's learning to, to channel that to like age your performance rather than crushing you with, with like the um, kind of nerves and, and things like that. So yeah, you, you, what time did you have to be up and be, be kind so of timelines change quite a bit because they wanted to weigh rucks prior to going in and, and, and then you have to repack your ruck after having to weigh it. So, yeah. So we had to be down there at four thirty in the. Or no, we had to be down there. I'm sorry, at three thirty. Wow. Okay. We had to be down there at three thirty to weigh rucks, and then bus picked us up at four fifteen, and then we didn't start the event till five fifteen. Wow. Yeah. So I was up at three, and you know yeah. my quick go to, and what I found was again. My step to my morning routine that I do, I woke up, I did my shower real quick, brushed my teeth, I did my water with some, um, with my minerals, with liquid IV I had at that time. And then I made some tea, some black tea with some honey. And then I ended up making my quick um, go-to breakfast, which was that milk concoction that I talked about. And I walked out ready to rock and roll. It was, you know, cool, mm -hmm. let's do this. And I felt rested, ready to go. Yeah. I got to like just do some of those last minute checks that I was kind of anxious about and once i kind of was like okay cool i'm good now i was able to like focus on all right cool it's time to execute and time to like get ready to what's going to happen and all mm. those good things so i had to be there at 3 30 we didn't start till 5 15 and you know at 5 15 in the morning it was already like 61 degrees in the morning <laughs> <laughs> it's coming yeah yeah, yeah. and wow. and yeah, dude, it was a it was an intense morning, I guess, because like I started running into a lot of people I hadn't seen in a while. Like I ran into one of my old sergeant majors that was in our Afghanistan deployment who had to experiment or experience a patrol from one objective to a to five points where it was like an eight to ten mile ruck, dude, and full gear combat load across Afghanistan at night. It was was it, it was about eight miles, I believe, or something like that, and he had to go with us on it. And it was like this biggest massive patrol and I would never want to do this again. I'm glad no one got shot or got rocket or RPGs or blown up or stepped on anything. But it was like a caravan of fucking Marines at nighttime walking through Afghanistan in, in track now heading to, to the next, to the next, you know, objective or, or the cop that we were heading to. And, I saw him and he was like, holy shit, Briona's what's going on? I was like, Sergeant Major, how are you doing? And we just kind of started <laughs> talking and he brought up, he was like, hey, I saw the video you did for Honeybeard, which was really cool. Like I, I didn't realize mm. that it was going to touch like that was like, I totally didn't think that it those like, yeah, that would be seen. That and I was just going to, sorry, George, I, I want you to carry on, but just for those people who ha who are listening, who haven't checked out that video, um, it, it's like one of the most powerful things i've i've seen and experienced from 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 that kind of perspective um if you or if anybody you know is kind of struggling with like i guess kind of ptsd or just the the kind of unfortunately some of the the kind of the mental health baggage that, that comes with being in the tactical community i i can't recommend that video enough um so yeah just just uh george can you we'll, we'll put the links in the in the show notes yeah yeah definitely um, but sorry, yeah, you carry but it on. was but it was really cool to kind of like meet up back, like to meet him again, and then him to bring that story up 
and talk about, hey, you remember when we walked? It was like the convoy of fucking Afghanistan on foot to where we again, again, I would never want to do that. Looking back at it, it was like, holy fuck, what are we doing? But it was funny for him to bring that up because, again, after that, after that patrol, it went straight to like you can wear non-standard boots. They're going to make sure that you patrol as comfortable as possible to make sure X, Y, and Z. Hey, certain gear doesn't have to be required now. X, Y, and, like it was it was really cool because then, you know, the higher ups actually got to see what it was we were doing and it created a different perspective where now our leadership has experience of what that feels like so they can meet us on that on that level, mm-hmm. which was really cool. So we yeah. kind of started bullshitting about that. But in that moment, I like, got done and, you know, my partner comes up to me and I was like, hey, Sergeant Major, meet, you know, Gunnery Sergeant X, you know, and and he's like, he's like, hey, bro, he's like, let's start warming up and getting away from all of this. <laughs> <laughs> and Probably I was like, business. and he was like, hey, remember when I told you about everyone's going to want to talk to us and to do all those things? He's like, not right now. He's like, yeah. And I was like, cool, bro. I got you. Um, so, you know, I had to give props to him to like keeping me mellow and doing those things. And I have to understand too, he just got done competing at the best ranger challenge where, you know, he took second and, you know, he was in that headspace and he was just kept bringing me back to it. And like, I was there, but I'm like that social butterfly. Everyone, if you know me in person or met me personally, I'm a social butterfly. I just like to say hello and talk and do those things. So he was like, Hey, we got to warm up. So we went into our breathing work and we went into our movement work. And by the time he knew it was time to get on the beach and, you know, we were supposed to splash at 5 a.m but they pushed it to like 5 15 5 20 so we're waiting okay. up lining there in line for like 10 minutes and it's it's always the same view you see it's all the competitors lined up on the beach looking at the ocean as they're getting ready to count down the whole you know yeah. all right 10 9 8 go and that's always like a fun thing because then cameras come out people start coming in because yeah. everyone's yeah. with yeah. their teammate everyone's doing last minute checks and it's just like the anticipation is just massive. Mm. You know, it's just massive. And then all of a sudden you hear the three, two, one, and go. And everyone just starts picking their rucks up and just, you know, you would think it would be a mad dash into the ocean, but it's like this like wobble with your gear to the ocean and you have to like step all over the rocks and have to get your gear together. And it's not like as cool as you look at watching triathlons go at it, but it's still a fucking cool experience to see everyone carry these 50 pound packs into the yeah, ocean gonna that, that they're going to probably weighs more than most people that do an Ironman. <laughs> Correct, 100%. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like, this is really rad. So at the end of the day, you know, once that, once everyone said go, like all the nerves and anxiousness and fears all went away and it just became this very like hyper-focused, all right, cool, get my one ruck, get my one fin on, cool, get my next fin on, all right, where's my ruck? Because it's always by me at all times. Hey, my partner gets sweet. And realistically, it comes down to when you're breaking surf, it's just, you just break surf. Everyone, every man for himself in that moment, because if you've ever been to churches in San, in San Onofre, San Clemente area, the surf out there can be very uh, non-forgiving. Luckily, we didn't have it as that bad compared to previous years. Okay. So it wasn't, it was still one of those things where you're like, all right, cool, you got to get to business. But once I started fitting, man, it was, it was the most beautiful experience I have had in a very long time. And it like, just opened the flood doors or opened the door and had this flood of just like happiness of life that I was out in the ocean finning with my brothers, pushing this ruck and just being able to move. Like I totally forgot what that brought to me and it was epic and it literally set the scene for the event, for the environment and it set the, it set the mood, it set the energy, it set kind of what was about to happen that morning, you know, after I was finally broken surf and finning towards the buoy and you're looking around at everyone, you're like, holy shit, I'm actually doing this with my boys right now. And this is fucking yeah. awesome. 
and you know, smiling, I'm singing songs, you know, on the back end, I'm like singing Snoop Dogg, like la Dottie, who likes the body, <laughs> like just playing Locking around, <laughs> literally, man, just like having a blast and everyone around me can, who listen, if they listen to this will laugh and be like, no, for sure. And that was the cool part about it, you know, cause I'm on the way back in, man. And I wish I had my fucking camera on me. Like it was one of those things I really wish I had my camera waterproof so I can catch the sunrise that I just saw. But it was one of those things where it's just like at times you don't need a camera. You got your, your, your you got your eyes and it's going to be what you can talk about it yourself. And as we're thinning back in, you start seeing these orange and purples and yellows come over this like dark contrast of like the, the hills that you're about to run across. Yeah. And all I could say was like, holy fuck, I'm alive right now. Like, what could be better than this? Like, what could be fucking better than this? Mm. And like that really opened the door to like just kind of open some other things. And, you know, as as we got done with the fin, we were, yeah, we were one of the, I think we were like the ninth or 10th team out. And there was 11 teams at that moment. But we didn't know what to expect in the beginning of the race. You know, we didn't know how Josh was going to feel. We didn't know how I was going to feel. I hadn't finned. You know, I did training for it, but I hadn't finned in the ocean, all that stuff. I didn't know what was going to happen. And, you know, you just kind of, we were very conservative, I guess you can say, in that first that first part of the fin. And we started moving. And once we got our change over, got our gear on and got moving, it just kind of fell into like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what I'm doing. Like my brain neurons started firing together in this pattern that recognized yeah what i've done in the past 100% man and like we just started moving dude like and we held like the first four and a half five miles that we got to our first objective after the ocean we averaged a 13 30 pace oh wow yeah but it didn't feel like it but we didn't feel like it it was like speed speed walking and then we would jog speed walk and then jog i mean we passed up one two we passed up three teams on that back going into the to the pool but then we ended up becoming the the last team leaving the pool and leaving the old course okay so what was the <laughs> so when you so you said four and a half miles from the from the beach to the with the pool was the first obstacle, first objective first, yeah first objective so what yeah. what was that what was the pool event so the pool event was quite uh is quite interesting i think that was kind of one that you know my partner and i were kind of like you know we have to hit this because right off the bat if you miss a knot it's 10 points or it's 10 minutes added on to your time oh right okay and there's five knots. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Pressure so home. 50 minutes. So that was one of those things where we're like, all right, cool. Like, this is a heavy event. And Mitch, they're all heavy, right? They all carry heavy weights. But that one was one of those things where, like, I don't want to add an extra 20 minutes on top of our time when we just started. Like, I'd rather have control of my own time and own the clock. And we had talked about, you know, once we left the ocean heading to there, we had a game plan. And this is kind of what we talked about was like, all right, hey, when we get there, we're going to go ahead and slow down, compose ourselves, get your feet together, get whatever you need to get yourself composed so that because after the pool session, there's no more of the pool session until another, it was probably another 13 miles. So we could do that. And I was like, all right, cool. So Josh took his time getting his stuff together, getting his feet typed up to make sure that he was ready to rock and roll. I made sure I did that. was like, and it was a quick, you know, it was no, no more than five minute transition, but those mm-hmm. five minutes add up over time. And we were ready behind. We were the last team leaving the pool. We were the last team leaving the old course. But then, you know, we had said, hey, it's okay. Like we'll make up, we'll make up time on the, you know, throughout certain parts of the course that we know that's a place to our strengths. 
we know that the big climb coming up Old Smoky, which is like a if you've never done Old Smoky and Camp Pendleton in, in, in SOI, it's it's like a twelve hundred to thirteen hundred foot climb over one point one miles. So it's just like an eighty degree <laughs> climb, flat eighty horrendous. degree climb. It's yeah. dude, no matter how fit you are to climb up that thing, that thing fucking sucks. Yeah. So we knew that like, hey, we can make some time up there. And and all we had to do was stay within the main packs, right? Like the first and second place and third place team dude was like 15, 20, 30 minutes ahead of us already. Like when we were coming into the pool, they were leaving the O course. Wow. Okay. So and that's you how- you see the O course from the pool? Like it's- Yeah, it's it was kind of, next to each other. Right. They were right yeah. next to each other. So like these guys are hauling ass yeah. to get like, because we only came out of the ocean probably behind them by 12 to 15 minutes, you know, because they came out like at a 22, we came out like at a 30. So maybe seven or eight minutes, but their transition time, our transition. So there was like a 15, 20 minute gap. So they were moving. Mm. And, you know, we were like, all right, cool. Like, don't stress about it. And our goal at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we talked about was like, hey, this isn't about placing. This is about the completion and honoring our brothers. And that's that's all that we said. And, you know, when we're moving from the the from the pool or from the ocean to the pool in the O course, it really hit me that, man, I, I'm... I'm really happy that I'm alive and that I'm here doing this and that some of those dark areas and those dark places I'd been, you know, can't outweigh moments like this. And that's something I told my my teammate was, you know, I told Josh, I was like, hey, bro, it's going to get real deep really fucking quick. And he was like, oh, yeah? And I was like, yeah, man. I was like, I'm really glad I never put that fucking bullet in my head. And he goes, yeah. he goes, that got fucking deep real quick. And I was like, yeah, man, that's the kind of day it's going to be. And mm. that was like three miles into our effort moving to the pool. And I think that set the tone for like what we were here to do was to help support each other and move us forward and celebrate this life that we're living right now. Um, and, and that's really what ended up happening. Just because, again, because of how much I felt alive. I mean, my fingers were numb. My body was numb from the ocean. I was wearing a shorty. Now I'm getting ready to go ahead and, and just enter the pain cave in a place I hadn't been in a very long time. But I knew that I loved being there. And I knew that's what I enjoyed doing. It's what I wanted to do. And no one else put me there but me. And that kind of opened the door, dude. So once we got done, you know, with with the old course, you know, we went through it real quick, did our thing got ourselves filled back up, put water in. We started climbing up, man. And we were still within, you know, six to seven teams in front of us. And we ended up passing six teams on the climb up Old Smoky. Well, that says a lot about like you guys as a, as a partnership and kind of as much as what's going on between the ears as, as like the physiology. You would say, yeah, 100% individual wise. And you would say that as a team, like we, like, you know, Josh ended up taking lead on it. I was like, hey, take, like, for some reason, he hit, like, miles six or seven, and he just woke up. And all of a sudden, I just see, and we call him the Terminator, and he just started, like, a robot dude up the mountain. And I'm a pretty fit dude, and I enjoy climbing some mountains. And, like, I'm just taking one step after another, one step after another, and he's like, hey, bro, this isn't the time to manage heart rate. This isn't the time. And I'm like, no, dude, I'm not doing any of that. I'm, I'm, I'm doing my thing. I was like, I'm passing individuals right now. And you know, one of the one of my, one of the guys I passed, you know, it was funny because he called me out about it. He was like, he was like, yeah. Then fucking Briones walks past me and says, passing on the left as we're like climbing up the mountain, and he's like looking at me and like just fucking, you know, he's like Ted, and he just hears me hamming on the left and just like, like I'm struggling, bro. There's a photo of me like almost at the peak of it, and I'm just. I've just been beat the I've just been beat up man like it, it's the truth like I've just been punched in the face multiple times and when we got to the top you know Josh did the call did the did the objective real quick cuz only needed to be one guy 
I was just a train wreck, man. I think I had just realized that, oh boy, I'm in it now. There's no turning back. I've just crossed that no return threshold. I need to gather myself and get myself ready and like be okay with that. And, and Josh did a really good job of, you know, like keeping me honest with myself. Cause again, like I knew he was fitter than I was. Mm. Obviously right? he's been following your training. <laughs> well, <laughs> it was just one of those things where he'd been training longer than I have with the ruck on his back yeah, and all those things. So it was like, okay, cool. He's going to recover a little bit faster than I will. And I told him, I was like, Hey, look, man, I've experienced before big ass climbs like this. Do this to me. I was like, give me another mile or two to get myself to collected. I was like, and I'll be moving quicker. I promise. I know a pace I can hold. So we ended up leaving the comm station at probably in fifth place. Okay. And we ended up- and what, Just to get to see, what kind of time of day are you at now? This, this we had been moving probably, probably two and a half, three hours already. So it's probably about 7 a.m. in the morning because we started seven and a half, seven a.m., eight o'clock. Yeah. So it was yeah, already, it was already warm. warm. And, oh, it was yeah. very warm already. I mean, I'm soaked from head to toe already just getting on top of Old Smoky. And that's when we were like, all right, we got to stay on hydration. And, and, you know, our game plan was to get onto that one. Well, there was a stretch that was about three and a half miles long. That's just a very slow, gradual incline, but it's pavement and it's really exposed. And we we're like, hey, if we get there, the goal is to, you know, play an interval or game together. But after the old smoky climb, I didn't realize how much I was affected by it. So I had to like really gain my composure on the back end of it, you know, and he calls it, uh, you know, we call it just free money is the downhills are free money. But at the same time, you don't want to like rush and run down that because then it thrashes the quads. Yeah. And then we still had it. And again, we still had another 13, 14 miles to go. So you're, you're trying to be smart about it. So, you know, we, we got down the part of, we got down and a team, like the, a team passed us and there were a bunch of young officers like blowing past us and, and Kovar looks at me, he's like, we got to get moving. I'm like, dude. Let's play the game. You see how hot it is right now. I was like, I've, I was like, I've helped train these guys. Like one of these guys before. I know what he's doing right now. I was like, let's see if is like, and if he can handle and hold this pace throughout the effort, good on him. But I was like, but we have a long way to go. And we saw another team, another 800 meters in front of us. Then they were power hiking. So he was like, I was like, look, let's just be consistent from here all the way to like all the way through Horno Canyon because Horno Canyon was going to be really hot and that was going to be in the middle like. 11 o'clock during the day when we get through it, maybe a little bit earlier than that. You know, El Camino was super exposed and really hot already. So we ended up just doing really fast power hiking. I mean, and we were holding probably 15, 30 paces around that on that on that portion. And the team in front of us that was running, we stayed within 600 meters of them. We stayed in and we caught up to the other team and we passed them up. And again, there's another group of them and like I run by them and we offered, like we're just like fucking with the teams. Like we just do that to each other, just like talking and hey, what's up? And you know, I, I, uh, I was like, Hey, we got some quick food for you. If you want some, like just playing around, just joking, like this will help <laughs> you guys feel better. It'll make you like go faster and just joking around and laughing and having a good old time. And it was kind of one of those things where like, I think that's what saved us to get through Horno Canyon was if we would have pushed really hard on that El Camino spot for like th four miles, we, uh, we probably would have dug ourselves a deeper hole and probably would have really suffered in the Horno Canyon. But what we ended up doing was since Horno Canyon is a very gradual climb throughout it and it's really hot at that time period is where we actually kind of picked up the pace. So the way we raced was this idea of composure, consistency, and compete. And the composure is like, you know, you start to ramp up slowly you start to increase your, you know, your confidence and everything else. And that very last third of the race, you end up now competing against yourself and with your partner and however you want to look at it. So we kind of said that to each other. It's like, all right, hey, we're out of this composure phase. We're now in the consistency phase. And, you know, Josh kept me strong to it. I kept him strong to it. And 
once we got, you know, through the consistency phase of, you know, Horno Canyon and the Kim's game and that objective that we had to do there with moving a, a casualty and a, a nine line, once we got through there, it was like, all right, cool, now it's time to compete. And it really didn't kick in that it was time to compete until we saw, until we left the fireman's carry event. We didn't, and the reason why I realized is that because we had already now been, we had t- overtaken fourth and we knew that first, second, and third were all within like 25, 30 minutes of us. And it was like, all right, yeah. what are we going to do here? What we didn't realize was the third place team took the wrong turn. Oh, no way. So okay. they went off by almost a mile and a half to two miles. We took the right turn and we ended up coming into the fireman's area down in Horno and we didn't realize this, but they were like, you guys are in third place. And I was like, what? We're in third place. We had just passed another team up and we were like, what? We're in third place? No way. Yeah. We ended up getting told that we weren't really stressed on it. We had to do a 400 meters fire, fireman's carry around a, a football field on the track. <laughs> Jeez, just what you want on those legs. On 17 wow. miles of legs, right? And, <laughs> and so like Kovar, yeah. Co- we go and drop our rucks down because they also had to be weighed there at that moment. Kovar picks me up and goes and broken. No. And I was like, oh boy. Uh oh. He literally picked me yeah. up and went unbroken. Gauntlet has officially been thrown down. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, this is where we're at. And I he gets complete. I pick him up, I complete him unbroken. I picked him up and moved him for 400 meters unbroken my back. And we did that thing. Got done. Right. You know, That's one sick. of one of my prior athletes, Franny, she's really love her to she's a sweetheart. Um, she was our go-to nutrition during the event was Gatorade, water, liquid IVs sports legs, anti-fatigue pills, um, and then wheat bread with massive amounts of jelly. Okay, nice. And okay. that was my that was my food, and I use spring energy as well. So and they're, like, they have a little bit higher fats and some of their stuff, so I like utilizing that. And then there's the spring energy also has a thing called Electrolyte, and it has some really good hydration stuff in it that I like okay. to take as well, I've used previously, so I stuck to that. It was, again, and then a bunch of fucking water. Uh, mm. So we crushed that real quick, put our rucks on. As we're getting ready to leave, the third place and the fourth place team and the fifth place team come in. Wow, tight. And I'm like, how far you've gone. Yeah, and I'm like, oh shit. And we're like, what's going on? So we start moving to the range. And as we're coming to the range to turn down the to the range road, is like a mile to the range. We see the second place team coming out of the range at that mile in. Yeah, and we were like, "No way, we're this like we're within this this close. Like, there's no way." Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, the pressure was on. You can't miss shots. You have to shoot. We have to knock these rounds down, because then because we don't know what they dropped, and if they drop mm. more rounds than we did, that only now adds time to them, which means then it gets us closer to them. Which means if we yeah. come in third and we didn't drop as many rounds, we possibly could still take second because of the of skills. Of course, yeah. So mm. it was like, all so right, what, no so what pressure. Was the, what was the task? What did you have to do on the range? So it was actually an unknown uh, distance range. So you had 20 okay. shots, two per uh, target for distance. It was 100 meters, 200 meters, 300 meters, 400 meters, and 500 meters. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I don't shoot much anymore. I just, that's not something I'm, I'm like, I, that's not a hobby I'm into. And I hadn't shot through the SC, the new SEO that they have on the, uh, that they were using. So I got a class on the day prior, but you know, shooting through it and then looking through the scope and learning the mills wasn't as familiar. I dropped nine rounds out of 20, right? Which is not bad. I, yeah. you know, I hadn't shot in a while, but it also was unstandard shooting positions. So, you know, you had to shoot okay. five targets at the or Yeah. You had to shoot two targets at the, at the, at the bottom floor. It was a two story conics box. You shoot, Shots there was like three or four shots, I believe. No, it was four, no, five shots. 
in in different positions and then you climb up to the top and you're now in an angled position with barricades and you're still shooting non-standard shooting positions from there and now from that position you're shooting all the way out to 500 to 400 you know and it was one of those things where it was like i would hit one or miss one hit one or miss one hit one or miss one Mm -hmm. i'm like damn it or if i missed one completely i missed the second one or try to make adjustments so again it was just one of those things where a lot of it came down to just you know having behind the weapon system as long and i was gonna say getting reps in and realistically, I just got down, I just focused on my fundamentals, you know, of breathing pattern and making sure I was stable, making sure my body position was good and making sure that the pressure on the trigger was right, making sure my eye relief on the, on the scope was, was there. So I focused on a lot of those things, but, you know, ultimately I was happy with that, but it added 18 minutes to our time because when you drop one shot, it's two minutes. So when I found out I dropped, uh, when I dropped 18 round or 18 minutes, I found out that the team in front of us had dropped seven. So... Yeah, it was like, oh boy. And we knew that they were about 20 to 25 minutes ahead of us. And it was like, can we make that time up? We don't know. Yeah. And in that moment when I found that that I dropped those, you know, I knew that I dropped nine rounds. Josh hit all his pistol shots. Then three teams came in behind us as we were getting ready to leave the thing. As we were getting ready to leave the range. And Josh just told me, he goes, hey man, I just want to let you know this. He's like, you just dropped, you just added 18 minutes to our time. He said it just like that. He's like, hey, you just added 18 minutes to our time. He's like, yeah, he's like we either can keep this pace or hike out however we want and just finish it, and give these other teams a, an ability to catch up and let them know if they shot less or dropped less rounds that they can catch up to us, yeah. or we can just send it and and try and get as close as possible to the first and second place team because now we're in third place and it's like okay cool we're now competing, and you know at that moment he's like how are you feeling I was like I'm not gonna lie to you bro I'm like at a five like I was cramping up really bad. I fell behind you yeah. on my hydration a little bit just because we were moving so quick, like we were because I was in it. It's just small little things that I wasn't used to due to the the heat, and I I I should have done more of. But in that moment, we we're like, he was like, "All right, let's get to the pool, let's knock out this event within, you know, let's get it done within a minute, let's try and f- knock it out as quickly as possible." So we walked through how we wanted to do it, and the reason mm-hmm. we wanted to do that is because we wanted to have some extra time on the back end to go ahead and get ourselves recuperated to finish the last four or five miles. Okay. So, so, from, so from the range, like how far was it to go from the range back to the pool? Oh, it was like two miles. It was less than that. Okay. It was like a mile and a half, okay. something like that. So like it was one of those things we moved really quick, got there, dropped our rucks, changed over. People asked, we want some water. We're like, yeah, I get it. We First person in the pool is Josh. I'm cramping up. So I'm like stretching yeah. out. I see him jump in. I have no, I have, there's no like, hey, wait, bro. None of that. It's, it's literally, he jumped in. He went down to the bottom of the pool, picked his tire up rolled it forward he as he started coming up i took my breath down without even thinking about anything followed yeah. it rolled it all the way to the other side of the deep end to where the shallow ledge was to the shallow end where we still had another nine foot high boat carry of this seven ton tire on top of wow. this ledge yeah. i rolled it to the edge i put it down or i put it up against the wall okay we come up together i come up now and he's over there by me and he's like all right you ready he was like three two one took some big deep breaths i took some big deep breaths we went down and we lifted it up like high boat carried it like big like he had one side i had one side high boat carried it he then started getting underneath it lifting it up i shot to the shallow ledge and yeah. lifted it up and held onto it he jumps he shoots up gets his air real quick and then kind of ducks back under and pushes it up a little bit more and then steps on it and then i switch spots we get it done dude within less than a minute like just quick 
we get right. out once we get out of the pool man we were like all right we got to start like he was gonna tape his feet real quick again because the the tape was falling off the pool fucked it up and i was cramping up really bad i needed to stretch luckily i had a couple of buddies that i've known known in the area uh nick deshane is a smart clinic physical therapist athletic trainer over at at the smart clinic on soi but i've known him through the weightlifting community in the crossfit world and he was there and I was like, bro, I need to get stretched out as quickly as possible. Can you stretch me out real fast here while my partner's doing this? I'm pounding food, putting down hydration stuff, and just kind of getting yeah, myself yeah. together. In this moment, my fingers are like cramping. Oh, no. It's so bad, dude. And yeah. like, I'm just like, I need to recover. I need to get myself going. As that's happening, the fourth place team comes in. Wow. And I'm a guy, I'm like, fuck. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I haven't had a break all, dude, it literally, I've, I was working all day and I'm never like, I'll be completely honest, like out of all my endurance events and kind of one of those things, I've never been on that, like to be that aware of everything and knowing that I, this is on me, no one else but mm. me. Yeah. And, yeah. and like, we get our stuff on, we get our shoes, we get our stuff back on gear back on this, this little kid walks up to us and his name is Chase. He has autism and he gives us these, these, these like coins and he goes here guys keep fighting he gives oh, one to my legend. partner while we're sitting yeah. getting ourselves together and we're like we're like we're rough dude like you know we've been moving working all day we're rough and he gives yeah. me this coin he gives josh this coin and like all i could do was tear up and like give this yeah. kid a big old hug and like that right there was like that extra magic to go ahead and tell you to like suck it the fuck up like you're fine put your shit yeah, back on a hundred percent and then like you know Scott's wife, you know, ended up telling, you know, telling me, he's like, oh yeah, hey, you know, the wife and the baby are going to be at the finish line. And like that just like just yeah. some extra motivation. I was like, all right, cool. Like we got this. And Josh was like, all right, bro, you're ready to boogie. And he was like, you see yeah. that fourth place team? They started cramping when they came in. So oh, that okay. ended up becoming like fuel for us as well. So like those three things just kind of filled our cup again. Yeah. And at the lowest psychological need ever, like, you know, I needed some love, I needed some support, and I needed some, like, you know, I needed yeah, something yeah, to give me Maslow's to feel. hierarchy. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, ticking those boxes. And, you know, I was like, oh, my God, like, cool. These dudes are like, yeah. they've been chasing us all day, and they're, and they're I don't are they going to be able to recover from it? Mm-hmm. And so me and Josh leave the pool, bro. Yeah. And, oh, and where, where are we time-wise now? I'm just so, like, I'm trying to kind of timeline it in my head. We're probably about eight and a half hours in less about okay. nine um, <laughs> yeah. of yeah. movement already so far it's probably about yeah. one o'clock one thirty. oh so getting and, and did you say it was like the hottest day recorded or something correct like yeah the hottest day of the year recorded in california at that moment and uh as we get there as we as we get ready to leave we end up finding out that you know master guns pax van and major jordan they ended up taking first place because a second place team came to the pool and struggled and were having problems and they just jumped in, knocked it out within like a minute as well like us, packed their stuff and they were on it. Yeah. So we were like, holy cow. So we knew that it was a close, it was close, right? Mm-hmm. We were within 30 to 40 minutes and we still had four miles to go. And it was at that point, it was like, all right, are we gonna catch them or do we wanna go ahead and create a big old gap behind us? I was like, I'd right. rather create a big old gap behind us so it makes it for the 18 minutes that I fucked up and <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and then whatever happens in the back end, whatever happens. Dude, th- that was, a, he was like, all right, we had to climb, you know, there was a last big 500 foot climb that we had to climb and, and like it was close to 500, 700 because we ended up putting like 4K and climbing overall the whole like 24 miles or 23, however you want to look at it. And it was just the last big climb and, and, and Kovar was like, all right, I was like, hey man, just 
get in front of me by a couple of feet, like six feet in front of me, social distancing wise. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I'll yeah. go ahead and follow behind you, bro. Just Don't worry about a hundred percent. Like, Hey, you go ahead and make the pace. I will keep up. And I was like, I promise. And he literally did that. And we just to the top. When we got to two miles out, we had just found out that the first and second place team had just finished. Yeah. And we still had about, you know, two miles left. So, uh, you know, moving at a, at, you know, at that moment in time, dude, I think we dropped like a 1430 pace per mile because we literally shuffled from that Kim's game position with two miles left and we ran it all. We pretty much shuffled all the way in because it was all downhill. And then the last port, you know, we just, it was, again, it's the end of the event. We shuffled all the way into the finish. And I think, and again, I think we ended up finishing behind the team by like 30 to 40 minutes, which relatively that's actually a really close. Yeah. I'm going to say over the scale of, of an event like that, that's especially when you can drop time. Like you, like you were saying, it's not just a start to finish. You can drop time on the, on the challenges. Correct. Time, I guess. Yeah. Correct. Right. So at the end of the day, man, you know, being able to look back at the whole the whole event as the days, like you know, we really executed really well for ourselves. We played to our strengths and our weaknesses. We supported each other, and the magic was there. And yeah, you know, for for Josh being two weeks post best ranger challenge for me coming out five weeks after a training block and not doing much and hadn't done that stuff to be able to be the first civilian to podium to yeah. have to be a part of that those group of individuals. It was very, it was very rewarding, and, and and it was a very massive honor to be able to be like, okay, I've worked, and this is like, this is really cool to be here in this position, mm-hmm. but also see everyone else that ran it, dude. I mean, there was guys that ran that 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 challenge with me that I had deployed with, I've worked with, I put through BRC, who I've trained, you know, through Softlead or my own individual stuff. Like I've been able to do all of those things. Yeah, a real kind of and, full circle moment almost. Yeah, and it was really cool to yeah. see how much I like loved the community and how much I loved, you know how much it really meant to me and who I really was. And deep down inside, I am, that's who I am. It's what's helped me live by. And then like, it really just kind of brought it all full circle, especially when we came in at the end, you know, and yeah. What was that finish line experience? Like kind dude, of, it was, what does it, it look like? How, like kind of set the scene there's a, for us. There's a bunch of photos and there's a bunch of, you know, um, there's a couple of videos of us finishing, but it was one of those things where you're coming in and you're like, man, I just finished this and I've worked all day for this. Like I literally yeah. worked all day for this because there's, and I'm being completely honest, like running hundred miles, there's some parts in the race where you kind of, you're not psychologically like working the whole time. But this event, I like, I was on the whole time mm. and it, and it wasn't that I was like, it was more of like not relief that I was over with. It was like, I want to continue doing this. This is fun. I enjoyed the way it made me feel. But the purpose was bigger, right? Like it was one of those things where it was like we brought our brother to the we brought our brother to the end point because that's it, right? You carry him from the start to the finish. I carried mm. my I carried the load. I carried my brother. My partner carried my brother. We all did it together as a team. It was very heartfelt, heartwarming, and and it you know it was a very nostalgic feeling to be able to come in you know almost yeah. ten years, eleven years later to go ahead and put my hand back on that helmet and to be able to put the dog. Are, are you able to around. say who it was you ran for? You yeah, able, it was so, to... for Sergeant Michael Guillory. Um, and I've known him, I knew him back and known him for years. We competed together, you know, in CrossFit. We worked out together in the same CrossFit community while we were in that time period. We've known a lot of the same individuals. He's a reconnaissance Marine as well. We come from similar backgrounds. A dude's a stud. He's a very great individual. And, you know, he passed away in 2012 and I, I ran it that year for him. And again, dude, it was really, really cool at the end of the day to be able to come back and, and be wearing that uniform 
And to be able to carry that that ruck on my back and just go through all those events for the fallen and those gold star families to where it also filled my cup to give me this sense of purpose and pride again and who I am outside of my profession or outside of what I've done in the past, but who I really am as a person. So it was another like, chapter to that healing process of who I am and where I've gone today, you know, to where it's like, you know, the idea is like, I think every reconnaissance Marine who's, you know, who's been through the schoolhouse and has graduated, and even if they're out now that they're allowing civilians, I really believe that everyone should train and, 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 and do an event, do this event, because it does give purpose, it does give you that light that you want, it brings you back in that community and really offers that sense of, you know, respect, ownership, accountability, and really you get to live by the words of the reconcrete that we have taken to heart for so long. So, you know, that's kind of the next thing I want to kind of focus on going into next year is like, I just want to help other recon dudes like train for this thing and help them, you know, and, and again, just help, you know, navigate some of the waters of like, what does this look like, especially those that are out and who are having trouble, because that's kind of one of those things where I didn't realize what this event was actually for me. You know, think about that of like, oh, I'm really, you know, for guys who are transitioning out and, you know, having to like find purpose, you know, by them opening this door to civilians and having that waiver to be able to train and do it, it only gives you some more purpose back and it's allow allows you to go ahead and put down for those guys are no longer there. It's, you know, it gives you perspective of seeing the ghost star families there and being like, man, if I wasn't here today, would that be my parents? And how would that look? that yeah, kind of headspace yeah. yeah yeah and and again i looked at it like i talked about in the in, in the show in episode two about you know it felt like it was my indoctrination my indoctrination back into the reconnaissance community mm. yeah i i think that's i mean even from, though i never left con- yeah I, I was just gonna say i think from like the the relatively little like i i know about kind of how your like your career was and your tra- your like period transitioning out I, I know you kind of went through some some pretty tough times. So to like, to be able to, again, kind of close that circle on something that was so positive and like, like some of the, some of the memories and, and just, I, I know we don't kind of record video on this, but just seeing like George's face light up and, and kind of like the, the genuine passion that he, he kind of, just exudes like talking through this stuff. You can, you can see like that community, you see like how tight you guys are. Um, yeah, I, I think that's what a cool event. It was awesome, dude. It was, you know, again, at the end of the day, being 10 days out from it now, having some time to like decompress and, you know, think about it all and kind of look at it from that 13,000 foot view instead of being at it from a five, 500 foot view. It's really given me a lot of just, you know, appreciation and gratitude again for those dudes around me and those dudes that are still doing this job today. Because again, yeah. it's not it's not an easy job. And, and and again, to be a reconnaissance Marine, we can share stories and we can talk about it and we'll continue to do that because I think that's a big thing that we want to do in the community is to keep the spirit alive. But I'm going to go ahead and say this and I can't take credit for it. But, you know, Aubrey Marcus said it perfectly. He's like, words are clumsy. Feeling says it all. Mm. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those things is like, you know, to understand what it is to be a reconnaissance Marine or to run the recon challenge and know that experience. These words that I'm talking about at the end of the day are actually not relevant at all. Like you're going to have your own experience. You're going to have to go feel it for yourself. And for those who are looking to go to the reconnaissance community, it's, it's a beautiful community to be a part of the things that you have to go through and the history and the lineage 
of the the giants in which that have paved the way for the community is is unreal. You know, some of these guys have had had their foot in in what you know groups at higher tier levels are doing, right? Like a lot of those things is the truth. So we really believe that the way to keep the spirit alive is by, you know, sharing these stories and talking about how much the recon community is fucking one of the greatest places to be. And some people will sit here and be like, that's not true. I get tired of all this stuff. It's like, well, welcome to the military and welcome to the politics. Because you know what? I had the same mindset in the past, being out six years now and and looking back and being able to go do what I got just got done doing. I love my fucking job. Did I, did I enjoy some of the bullshit that came with the military? Sure. But ultimately, at the end of the day, my job was fucking badass. And no one can take that from me. And it's the same thing for the current recon Marines who, you know, are like looking to transition over to SFAS or do all those kinds of things. So that's what's happening, right? Because missions aren't that much right now. Understand that like there's a, there's a certain capability and skill set that we get taught that no other special operations unit gets. And that there is special. And, and it's going to be different for everyone. But what I found for that is just this mental resiliency and toughness that I've seen in these guys. And yeah, have we lost a few dudes to suicide, you know, in the community? Yeah. But at the end of the day, though, like you can't take away of how hard those dudes were mm-hmm. and how hard yeah. the dudes that are no longer with us who've lost their life in combat. At the same time, those guys who've transitioned out of the military and still doing this stuff today. So, yeah, man, you know, mm-hmm. being out, it's- you know, now. It's pretty. It's pretty wild to say those things and look at it from afar, from that perspective. Yeah, like you said, different give, gives you a chance to have like a different perspective on on things. Is, is there any kind of? Uh, obviously, we talked about your your Honeybeard video and the work that those guys are doing. Is there any other resources that you you want to kind of point out to people who are kind of maybe wanting to touch base with the community again if they've if yeah they've kind of transitioned out and have lost touch? Is there any any kind of any way you'd point people? Yeah, so there's a few of them. You're going to go ahead and have uh, the Recon Sniper Foundation which, you know, is a beautiful, is a beautiful nonprofit. They've done some really great things for veterans to get them back into, you know, the community as well as like finding purpose, which has been really great. You know, they've been a big part of my, my steps and my, you know, my progress to the point, you know, they've helped support me in races and helped support me do these things. I've raised money for them, you know, and then you got, you got the Marine Recon Foundation, which is another foundation that's really good and that's ran by a few different individuals who you know really help focus on the gold star families and and really kind of keeping them all tight together and letting them know like hey like just because your your son is no longer with us that you're not a part of the community community that's not the case we want to go ahead and understand like hey it's bigger than that and they do really good things too like they just got done taking the gold star families out to hawaii for a weekend retreat after the recon challenge you know they host and and you know run different types of fundraisers to just help uh prior recon marines and and whatnot get some purpose and everything especially out so they have some really cool things there too um man i can plug so many different people in here you know yeah, so, yeah, we can we can we can put stuff in the show notes at the end. Yeah, so but you know, are, when we go ahead and look at that, you also have the Force Recon Association, which is also another big part of of the recon community doing those things. So you know, those three are the communities that I look at, and maybe I missed a few recon um, nonprofits, but I, I those are the three that I'm connected with. You know, you got a couple of prior guys that are getting out now and going civilians who've been in for a while that are starting to rent like start companies. So it's just kind of one of those things where. It's all out there. You just gotta look for it, and yeah, we'll put stuff in yeah. the show notes. But other than that, though, man, I th- I think this I think being able to share yeah. this podcast and these series was actually really cool, and I appreciate you forcing me to do them. 
Yeah, so I, I need to kind of stress that really. So from right from when George first told me that he was going to do this, uh, class, being classic George, he wanted to kind of keep it under wraps, do his own thing, keep his head down. And uh, I, I kind of, I felt that he, he sort of needed to share this. It's, I, I find it absolutely fascinating from someone who's not part of that 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 kind of uh, recon community. Um, and yeah, just, just to kind of allow you guys to, to get an insight into the, the craziness that is, <laughs> that is George's life. So what, what's kind of, I guess, as a, as a next step from that, what's, what's next for you? Have you thought about like, you said maybe kind of looking at, at, at doing and, and helping prep for people for these challenges in the future, but have you got anything on the horizon yourself? Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, dude, the summer's coming around here in Utah and I just love being out in the mountains and there's a bunch of projects that I like to do out here. So there's a few different projects, you know, we have out here, we have the Bonneville short trail and it's like a, you can do a 26 mile effort on it. And it starts at one point of this, of like the area down here in Salt Lake city, which is like Draper area. And it goes all the way into the Salt Lake city all along that. And that's really cool. There's another project that I would like to do, which is it's called the destinations to park city trail. And that's another like 27, 28 mile effort. And it's all at like eight to nine K elevate altitude that you're running along it's a beautiful court it's a beautiful trail um so those are a couple of things i want to do this summer as well as like i'm gonna probably do my first weightlifting meet in a while again since i've done one uh here in june and you know those who have listened to the podcast in the past from 2015 to you know when i got into this all know that how much i love weightlifting and i've never left it i've just not competed in it very much but it's been a very big part of my foundation and again i'm going in there just having fun i'm not trying to go in there and you know lift all the weights. I'm just going to lift the weights that I'm capable in this moment. And, you know, I've snatched a hundred kilos and I've clean and jerked like two or clean and jerked 115, 120 kilos. So I'll take that for someone who runs with a ruck on that's his back. That's pretty solid alongside kind of the train. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's not too shabby. <laughs> no. And, and like, I understand like that's, that's okay. Yeah, that's, and you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you're selling yourself a little bit short there. That's, well, that's pretty I, sick alongside. Well, that's the cool part though, man. Is the, the challenge you've been doing. Yeah. And that's kind of the cool part, you know, so the past, you know, last week I took a week off and didn't do much. I think I went to the pool, I went to the gym here and there, and I took a couple more days off. And then, you know, this week I've been in the gym three days now and I felt great. All strength work, some conditioning capacity work, nothing too crazy. I haven't been in the pool yet. Tomorrow will be a big mountain day. I just want to get out on the mountains and put a big three, four hour day just to just to get out, man. I haven't done it. So like looking forward to doing that and then, you know, just playing around. But right now, man, it's just kind of prepping the body to do some of these big projects out here and kind of use weightlifting and strength work in the gym to kind of stay strong to support that. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, yeah, just, just thanks again for kind of opening up and, and sharing all that stuff with us today. That's, that's really cool. Thank you. Of course, dude. Sweet guys. If you guys have any questions or you want to pick my brain about, you know, if the recon challenge or any other military endurance event, please reach out at george at Perfect. That's us. Thanks very much. Have a good day, guys. Cheers.